Well, good morning and welcome to the Mount. My name is Adam and I'm the lead pastor here. I wanna take a moment and just welcome you, whether you're joining us here in Stafford, whether you're joining us for our online campus or whether you are joining us down at Fredericksburg. Speaking of Fredericksburg, we just wanna take a moment. I don't know if you guys know this, but our Fredericksburg campus has experienced such growth over this fall semester that next week we are moving to two services down in Fredericksburg. So yes, Fredericksburg. We celebrate with you. For those of you that aren't a part of Fredericksburg, maybe you have someone down there you'd love to invite to church. Next week is a great week to invite them to celebrate the launch of two services. We are having a winter festival, winter fest, where we are taking a portion of our parking lot and turning it into an ice skating rink. We have a synthetic rink going in, and so between services and after second service, your family can grab some food and you can ice skate in the middle of January down there in the parking lot. So please be inviting for people. Hey, if maybe Fredericksburg, you're wondering like, what's happened at the Stafford campus? I just want to take a moment and just say, Stafford, you guys have been faithful and and continuing to invite more people. And as you can see, our services are beginning to fill up as well. And we are looking down the road for that moment soon, maybe where we will move to three services because God is doing something in us and through us here at the Mount as we exist to be for one more. And so maybe, yeah, God's on the move. And so maybe you're joining us for the first time, and I just want to extend a special welcome and say, you have picked uh, one of my favorite series as we have done so far. We're only on week two, but I've enjoyed it a lot. And so uh, we are in a series titled One Year From Now. And, And what we have been doing is we've been looking at the habits that we have in life. And here's what's interesting to me. Every year in January, uh, many of us, if not all of us, have some sort of goal or plan or dream or resolution, whatever we want to call it. Now, what I find fascinating is, is after years of talking to people and listening about their goals and their dreams and their plans and their resolutions, what I've realized is that almost all of us and almost everyone in the entire world has quite the same goals. We all want to eat a little healthier this year. We all wanna exercise just a little bit more this year. We all wanna lose a little bit of weight. We all want to uh, strengthen our relationships in some capacity or another. We all want to have a little bit more financial freedom or security than we did the previous year. We all have the same goals. If we're a Christ follower, we all would say, I want to grow a little closer to God this year. I want to spend more time in my Bible this year. I want to be a person who prays more intimately this year. We all have the same goals, the same plans, the same dreams, the same desires. But yet, despite having all the same goals and plans and resolutions and dreams and desires, there are some of us that will be successful and some of us that won't. Why? Our habits. There is power in our habits. For those of you that were here last week, you might remember we said that the the underlying premise behind this series is that when it comes to our life, the person we are going to be one year from now, we can either get there by design, we can be intentional and strategic in the habits that we do on a daily basis, or we can get there by default where we drift into doing the things we have always done, where we allow our external circumstances, the culture around us, the people, the influences to take us wherever it happens to take us. can either design our year or be defaulted in our year. There is power in our habits. A habit, for those of you that were here last week, you remember a habit is simply this. It is a routine or behavior that is performed regularly and in many cases 
automatically. It is a routine or behavior that we perform regularly, and in many cases, it becomes automatic. It becomes what we do without even thinking about it. There is power in small habits done consistently over an extended period of time. And so last week, we, we did this. We talked about the way we, we form habits sometimes. If we're doing it the old-fashioned way, is we start with this. We start with our end result, the goal that we have in life. Like, for instance, we say, uh, last week I gave the illustration that said, I want to run a marathon. And because that is my goal, that is the end result that I want to happen, I then begin to come up with behaviors that lead to that goal. I say, I want to run a marathon, therefore I'm going to run in the mornings every day this year. With the, eventually, if I run the marathon, if I do this, then I will be able to say, I am a marathon finisher. I am a runner. Here's the problem, though. We said that for most of us, this leads us to fail because the goal does not change. We, we hit the goal sometimes and we just move on. And so what we have to do is we have to flip the script and we have to start with our identity. We have to define who it is that we want to become because once we know who we are, that defines what we do. We could say, no, 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 I am a runner. Therefore, I run. And maybe eventually I will run a marathon. But I start with the identity and I start with the behavior, the, the habit, the system that allows me to get there. In light of that this morning, I, I have a question for you. Who do you want to become spiritually? One year from now, looking back spiritually, who is the person that you want to be? Who do you want to become spiritually? You may say, I, I want to be someone whose life is saturated by God's word. I, I read it consistently. I, I know it. I, I feel it. It transforms me. It's not just information. I want to be saturated by God's word. That's incredible. You may be someone, as you say, I want to be someone who is a prayer or I want to be someone who prays consistently, who communicates with God, who is intimate with him in the conversations of my life. That's awesome. You may say, I want to be someone spiritually who lives a life of surrender. I want to be someone who fasts on a regular basis. I want to be someone who worships on a regular basis. Who do you want to be spiritually? Now, for many of us, go back to that chart, what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, I know who I want to be, so the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to plan some sort of goal to help me get there. For instance, you may say, I want to be someone whose life is saturated by God's word, and so therefore, to be that type of person for the year 2023, I'm going to read through the entire Bible in one year. And you make this, this goal, this dream, this, this declaration, this resolution that says, this year I'm reading through the Bible because I want to be someone who is saturated by God's word. But that's not how it works. We, we don't jump to our goals. In fact, we, we, we think, we default to thinking that if, if, I, if I get my identity and then I set this goal, I will begin to rise to the level of my goals. I will exceed them and I will always move up and up and up, but that's not the case. In fact, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, says it this way. He says it this way. Next slide. You don't rise... You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What does that mean? That means, listen, listen, when you come home and you're tired 
and you're exhausted and you're worn out and you just got done commuting or you just got off a big conference call and your kids are ready for bed and you're just tired. You don't, in those moments where you're at your weakest, rise to the level of your goals. You don't aspire to do something. No, it's in those moments that you fall back to the things you do repeatedly over and over. You default to the systems in your life. For instance, you may say this year, I wanna be a person who spends more time in prayer. And so your goal was to wake up an hour early every day and pray. Listen, when you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're frustrated, you don't default to that new goal. You default to your old habit, sleeping in till the very last minute and then getting up only when you need to after you've hit snooze 17,000 times. We default to our systems, which means in order to change our life, we don't need to set big goals. We need to change the systems in our lives. Let me give you an example from scripture of someone who had an incredible system in their life. We talked briefly about this person last week and I told you we would go into more detail. Daniel was a guy in the Old Testament. He was the, an Israelite. He was one of the Old Testament people of God. Daniel lived at a time in Israel when the nation was divided into two kingdoms. There was the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah. Daniel lived in the southern kingdom of Judah. Daniel lived at a time where the, the, the evil empire, the Babylonians had come in and they had invaded the southern kingdom and they had captured all the people, the men, the women and children, the ones they didn't kill and they had taken them back to Babylon as captives. It was called the Babylonian captivity. The, the purpose of taking them back to Babylon was to get them to assimilate into the culture in Babylon. Why? Because they wanted to erase the habits and the systems that the Israelites had that made them who they were. You see, the Israelites, the people of God, they had a certain way of doing things. They had a certain behavior they did. They had certain rituals and expectations and systems and habits, and they always defaulted back to those. But the Babylonians knew if we can get them to our place where all of a sudden they are able to experience new things and we can begin to give them new systems and new habits and new practices, they will wake up one day and never intentionally have said, I no longer want to be an Israelite, I want to be a Babylonian, but they will have drifted there over time because of the habits and the systems that they created. And so they go there and Daniel, uh, the king decides he wants to pick a certain person to kind of be his, his right-hand man, if you would. This person would help govern, would help execute decrees and authority. And so they, they, they choose 120 of these young men from all over the country, the nation of Babylon. And Daniel happens to be one of these men. Daniel stood out. He was above the rest. He was successful. He, he had goodness about him. And so out of these 120 men, the king narrows it down to one person and he picks Daniel. And Daniel's going to be elevated to this new status. And as you can imagine, this new position came with lots of wealth, it came with lots of fame, it came with lots of authority and significance and influence. And the people that were around Daniel, the other 119 people who did not get picked had a problem with Daniel getting picked for two reasons. One, he was a foreigner. He was not a Babylonian. He didn't belong here. He shouldn't have gotten picked. And two, they're human. They were jealous. They wanted to get picked. And so what they did was to be kind of begin to discredit Daniel. And so they begin to kind of research into Daniel to, to, to find something in his life that would disqualify him from leadership. 
And they searched and they searched and they searched and they were unable to find anything. And so frustrated, not knowing what to do next, the next thing they did was they went to the king and in order to trick the king because they knew they could catch Daniel with this, they, they tricked the king into issuing a decree. And this decree was very simple. It said, for the next 30 days, if anyone is going to pray, they must pray to me, the king. What happens in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10? We looked at that last week. Take a look again. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three, that's important, three times a day he got down on his knees and did what? Giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel had a system in his life. Every day. For as long as he could remember, three times a day, he connected with God. It was a habit, and it was consistent, and it was powerful. Listen, the story we remember about Daniel, Daniel and the lion's den and that miraculous rescue, it's because of the system he had in his life. Never underestimate what God might do through one small, consistent act of obedience. He had a system, and he ran it. Three times a day, he went and he connected with God. There is power in small things in our spiritual life. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Let's say that this year, I made a goal that said, by the end of this year, one year from now, I want to be able to do 100 push-ups at one time. This isn't a real thing, trust me, okay? But let's just pretend, all right? Let's just all be a family here. Let's say I wanted to do 100 push-ups. That's a big goal. Now, let's say I go online and I'm doing some research. I'm like, how to get buff enough and swole enough. It's gonna tell me to skip every leg day possible, right? And it's gonna tell me to like, to get to where you can do 100 push-ups in kind of one day. Here's the workout plan you're gonna have to do five or six days a week. It's most likely gonna be 30 to 40 minutes worth of workouts because you, you have to do different things to build up different muscles and all this. And so I get this plan and I'm excited. I'm ready to to go. The first day I come home, I go and change clothes. I put on my gym shoes. I go down to my basement and I'm like, all right, today's the day. I'm going to do this. Now, the moment I get there and I get downstairs and I'm in my basement and I'm ready to start this workout that's going to take 30 to 40 minutes, the first thing I'm thinking of, and maybe you're much better than me, the first thing I'm thinking of is I'm thinking, okay, 35 minutes is a long time. Am I really that motivated right now? The next thing I'm thinking is I can do about seven push-ups right now. A hundred feels like a lot, that's a big chasm, right? Like that's a long ways to go. And I, you're not like me though. I get paralyzed because I say, I don't want to fail and I'm not sure I wanna do 35 minutes right now and I'm not sure I'm able to, to cross that chasm to go from seven to a hundred. So you know what, like what's the point? And I just give up. And I say, it's not worth it. It's, it's just too much, it's, it's too big, it's too hard. But what if, what if every single day I said, you know what, forget the 100 push-up goal. Here's my goal, for the next one year, I wanna do one push-up a day. And you might be like, Adam, that's pathetic, right? Like, one push-up a day, my three-year-old son can do more than that, right? Like, I get it, he's buff, whatever, okay? But like, here's what I'm saying, like, here's, here's why this matters. If I can do one push-up a day, 
I begin to create a pattern and a habit. How so? Watch. And I'm going to move over here so the camera can see down the aisle. So there's something about like normally if I get dressed, I go downstairs. I'm like, okay, I have 45 minutes worth of workouts. I'm just not motivated. But if I get fully dressed, and I don't even have to get dressed. I can go down to the basement. I'm like, okay, one push-up. Like, it's so small, I can't fail. I, I'm not, I'm not a, a wuss. I have to do one push-up. So I'm going to get down into the push-up position, right? And I know some of you are like in the military, and so I'm going to do the form wrong. That's okay. Just like, forgive me. Like, I never served, and you're awesome. You're Marines and whatever branch you're in. I don't know. Maybe this is more like an Air Force push-up or something. I don't know. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's cut that off the recording. <laughs> so look, here's what I know. When I get in this position and I do one push-up, you know what? That, that wasn't that hard. I can do one more. I can do one more. Why? Because, and this is kind of science for you here, Newton's first law, an object at rest stays at rest, but an object in motion keeps moving. There is something about the very act. When I get down to do one push-up, I'm already in the exact same position it takes to do five, 10, 12, or 15. I am already set up, ready to go. And so what I will find is most days, if my goal was to do one push-up a day, most days I would, I would do more than one. Why? Because I'm already in the position. I'm already in, I'm already in motion. It's so much easier to just keep going. But even in those hard days, those difficult days, those days when I'm exhausted, I still fall back to my system of one a day because I'm building a habit. What if, what if in our spiritual lives, instead of dreaming these huge, big goals, what if instead we created a system that was so small there's no way we would ever fail. What if we sought consistency over an extended period of time? Why is this important? Now, because for many of us, when it comes to how we accomplish new tasks or new goals or new habits or new systems, we rely on what all self-help books and everything on TV and every infomercial tells us, motivation. We say, oh, you want to change your life? Get motivated, right? Like it's like this, this, you know, I don't know, macho person telling us to do something. You want to change your diet? Get motivated. You want to do this? And get motivated. And we're supposed to get motivated and get pumped and get psyched. And we're supposed to watch hype videos and put on music that causes like Eminem mode in our head. We're supposed to do these things that make us get so excited and so ready that we can conquer any goal in the world. And that's great when we get motivated and do want to do that. But here's the reality. Motivation is a feeling, and if you have been human for any amount of time, what you know is that feelings are inconsistent, which means there are going to be plenty of days where you don't feel like doing what it is you want to do. Man, I want to be someone whose life is saturated by the word of God. But today, I don't feel like reading the Bible I want to be someone who prays consistently and communicates with God. But today, I don't feel like praying. I want to be someone whose life is marked by attending worship and small group regularly. But today, I don't have the motivation to get up and I don't feel like going. You see, motivation is weak. 
If, if, if we left all of our dreams and our goals to motivation, we would have had a bigger chance of winning the mega millions on Friday than we would have ever changing our life because it's weak, it's inconsistent, and it doesn't help us. So what we do then is we take the next step. We say, okay, I don't have to worry about motivation. I'm just gonna get some willpower. We say willpower is basically saying, even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to force myself. Right, like this is when you go on Instagram and you see a reel and it always feels like Will Smith or somebody's talking over somebody running and they're out running and it's like on the days you don't wanna run, you get up and you make yourself run. Like it's always telling us you have to have willpower, you have to make yourself, you have to force yourself to do it even when you don't feel like it. If you don't feel like reading your Bible, force yourself to read your Bible. Do it, do it, do it. If you don't feel like praying, force yourself to pray. Do it, do it, do it. Here's the problem with this though. Willpower is limited. Most studies by sociologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, all of them have found that your willpower diminishes throughout the day. Why? Because every decision you make takes a supply of your willpower away, which means as the day progresses, your willpower wanes more and more, and you find yourself with less willpower to actually make the decisions you want to do. You don't believe me? Listen to my life. There are plenty of moments where I tell myself, I don't wanna eat a gallon of ice cream today. But I'll tell you this, if I have made a lot of stressful decisions that day, by about 11 p.m., if I'm not in bed, you can bet I'm looking in the freezer trying to find that gallon of ice cream. I've lost my willpower. I'm exhausted. I'm tired and I have brain fatigue and therefore, I don't have the willpower to do it. You see, willpower is not that good for us. So unless every habit you're going to change is gonna be in the morning when you have all of your energy and you're good, this doesn't work either. In fact, when it comes to our, our spiritual life, well, I think willpower is the one we try to use the most. We say things like, and maybe you've never said this because you're so much more spiritual than I am. I'm going to try harder when it comes to reading my Bible. I'm going to try harder when it comes to praying consistently. I'm going to try harder harder. We, 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 we use this language when talking about our, our spiritual formation, our spiritual habits, our spiritual disciplines. We say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to get enough willpower and enough motivation. I'm going to try this year. I'm really going to try harder to make sure I'm consistent with how I give. I'm going to make sure I'm consistent with this, this, this. And we try to do this. But here's the thing. The spiritual life is not about trying harder. In fact, Timothy, or Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, instead, train yourself to be godly. Because physical training, good example, physical training is good, but training for what? Training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Paul says, listen, you don't try harder to be godly. You train yourself to be godly. It's a discipline, a habit, a system that you do. We could all, we could, I, I could say, hey guys, we're gonna try to run a marathon this week. We could all go try, and there's not very many of us who are gonna do it. But I can say, hey, we're all gonna train for a marathon one year from now, and the majority of us could do it. Why? Because we created a system, a habit, a consistent thing that got us there. And that's where our habits come in. You see, we start with motivation, we go to willpower, but habits are the easiest thing because a habit is automatic and it's consistent. It's something so small, you don't have to be motivated, you don't have to force yourself, you just do it. 
here, here, we're going we're gonna to nerd out, and we're going to talk about this a lot next week. But the way our brains are wired, uh, when habits form in our brain, we have these neural pathways that connect different parts of the brain all together. And every time we experience a habit and we're, we get a reward sensation, right? There, there's triggers and there's a reward. When we get that reward sensation, it makes that neural pathway grow thicker. It makes it get more, more like sturdiness, right? And so over time, that reward system immediately signals that part of the brain to happen. Let me give an example. If you wake up in the morning and the very first thing you do is take a shower, that begins to create a neural pathway. If you do that consistently over time, that pathway gets thicker and thicker and thicker to where you will find yourself some days waking up in the morning and without even thinking about it, the very first thing you do like a zombie is walk in there and turn on the shower. It's that kind of same kind of mindset when you're driving home from work, uh, not on 95, but when you're driving home and you can like pass things and be like, I don't even remember passing that. I was just zoned out, right? Because you're in this habit, the, the, the wire is thicker, which means the more we do something, the more automatic it becomes. Let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I found in my life that I would wake up in the mornings and one of the very first things I was doing was reaching for my phone and checking social media. And it's just becoming this habit that I didn't enjoy. I wanted to be the type of person that when I woke up in the morning, I spent time in God's word before I did anything on social media. And so I decided one year I was going to try harder at this. I set this goal. I'm going to, you know, six days a week, I'm going to read the Bible before I check my phone and I'm going to try harder. And I would wake up and I'd do it for a couple days and then I would stumble and I would fall and I'd begin to feel guilt and shame. And I would tell myself, I'm going to try harder again. And I would try harder and harder and harder. And I just never could get any success in this discipline, in this habit. So then I had this idea. I said, what if I begin to train my brain with a trigger? Something happens which leads to something. So on my nightstand, pretend this is my Bible. I would put my phone down and I would put my Bible on top of it. Every morning when I woke up to get to my phone, I had to move my Bible. Every time I moved my Bible, I would pick it up and I'd be like, yeah, let's read that. I created a trigger that turned into a habit. That's the power of habits in our spiritual lives. You don't have to have that much motivation. You don't even have to muster up the willpower. If you create the right system, one year from now, your spiritual life will be different because you created the right triggers and you did things small enough that there's no way you could possibly fail. Small habits done consistently over an extended period of time will change your life. When it comes to your spiritual life, do something consistently that others only do occasionally. Let me give you some examples and you can take notes on these and you can have some ideas. I just wanna share with you some different habits that maybe this year you could begin to practice. And the first one is this, practicing joy. This one's a simple one. You may say, man, one of the, the who statement I want to be, I want to be someone who is more joyful. I found myself being negative or critical or just not thinking good thoughts. And scripture talks about renewing our minds and transforming it and thinking positive things. And so what I love about this is we are made in the image of God. And God is the, the, the most joyful being that has ever existed or ever will exist, right? And us being made in his image means there is this capacity for joy in us. And it is part of who we were created to be. But sin has broken that and it has made that fallen in our lives. And so maybe this year you would say, you know what? The, the spiritual habit that I want to get into the rhythm of, the system I want to create, is to be someone who practices joy. Psalm 118, 24 says it this way. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. 
And so, and so maybe what you need to do is you need to create some sort of system where every single day you take a moment and reflect and do something joyful. Now, let me give you an example. Maybe you have somebody in your life who I would call like a joy carrier. Uh, we have one on staff here. If you've ever met Susan Wanderer, you know what I'm talking about. Susan is like, like I've never gotten an email or a text from Susan that didn't have a bunch of emojis and exclamation points. And I, I the only, the only, you know, like, I use a period. That's about it when, I, when I'm writing a text. And so she's like, oh my gosh, hi, hi. And she's like screaming at me and excited about me. And I'm like, you know what? Susan's the kind of person though where if I wanted to be someone who practiced joy, I would make it a habit every day to call or send a message or do something with Susan so that I got a response from her that immediately brought joy to my life. That's a habit. Maybe for you this year, one of the practices could be slowing down. Does that resonate with anyone? The world we live in is incredibly busy. We're going from one thing to the next to the next. What would it look like this year for you to just make a habit of stopping? Now, I'm not saying make a big goal. You're like, man, I just, I feel like life's so crazy right now. I have a friend who did this. He's like, life's so crazy right now. I think I've gone from 100 miles an hour. I'm gonna take a four-day solitude retreat. That's not gonna happen, bro. Like, it's not. <laughs> like, but listen, what if you said, hey, you know what? Every day for five minutes, I'm gonna sit down with a cup of coffee. No phone, no computer, no television, no radio, no iPods, nothing. And I'm just gonna be silent. You say, what, how's that gonna change my life one year from now? That's five minutes of day that you could be hearing the voice of God speaking to you. And you just gotta stop and slow down. It could change your life. Another one, reading scripture. Maybe this year, a habit you need to get into is reading scripture. And you would say, man, I'm ready for this one. Like, I made a goal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the Bible in one year. <laughs> no, you're not. Like, good luck. You're gonna, I mean, you're gonna try. Like, 11% of people read their Bible ever, like total. Like, like I'm talking like Genesis or Revelation. Only 11% of people have ever read through the whole thing. I don't know what that number is in one year. But we always make this, this is all we, and what we do is we go online and we, you know, we pick our Bible reading plan and we're like, okay, I'm gonna do this plan. So I got it all mapped out. I'm only gonna do five days a week because, you know, there's some cheat days in there where I wanna, you know, watch Netflix or something. And so here's what I'm gonna do. It tells me I need to do four chapters a day. So I'm gonna get started. I'm gonna do this. And you're, you're motivated at the beginning because Genesis is cool. There's you know, things going from dark to light and there's people doing things with other people and they're sending them out into the wilderness and things are happening and it's real chaotic. Then you get to Exodus and you're like, all right, there's a burning bush. That's exciting too. But then about halfway through Exodus and you're like, this is no longer motivating. And you begin to like get the willpower. I'm gonna force myself to get through this because you tell yourself, this is just the hard part of the Bible. Guess what? Those books go for about four more books that are difficult right there. You still got Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers. You got a ways to go. And eventually you get to the end of Exodus, the beginning of Leviticus, and even your willpower is shot. You said, no one should force this. And you start to question like, is this even supposed to be in the Bible? Like, I don't even know what's happening here. Like, maybe that's just me, right? And you're like, why is there a book called Numbers? That doesn't make any sense. What if, what if, get this, if you simply said, forget the goal of reading through the Bible in one year, I'm gonna read the Bible 10 minutes a day. Did you know if you read it for 10 minutes a day, you will finish it in 18 months? And you say, I know, but it's not in a year. No. But reading Genesis to Exodus for the next 40 years of your life and then failing every time, 
I would take reading through it every 18 months over 40 years and see the life change that happens. In fact, uh, Donald Whitney in his book, Spiritual Discipline, says it this way. Let the word of God break over your heart and mind again and again as the years go by. And imperceptibly, there will come great changes in your attitude and outlook and conduct. And you will probably be the last to recognize these. Scripture transforms you when it's consistent. Listen, the goal of your spiritual life is not to finish the Bible in a year. It's to be more like Jesus by reading his word. Make it a habit. Make it a discipline. Maybe for you, one could be journaling. And I know some of the ladies in the room, you're like, yes, dear diary moment from junior high. I'm so right there with you. And the guy's are like, whoa, whoa, this is kind of emotional for me, right? Like, uh, I'm not talking like I want you to spend like, maybe a habit for you this year is to spend the next, you know, 30 minutes a day pouring your heart out to a journal. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying, what if, because here's what I know about journaling. When we write something down, it causes, we have, we have to think about it before we write it down. We, it's an intentional thing. I'm thinking about this to write it down. When we think about things, we feel those things. And so when I take five minutes a day, and I, well, what if your goal was, hey, for this year, for 365 days, I'm gonna write one sentence a day. All of a sudden, that sentence, what is it? Uh, how did I see God today? One sentence. What you're gonna find is that over time, as you begin to write that one sentence, you begin to think about that question more and more throughout your day. And so you're gonna find out that when you're at meetings, when you're at lunch, you're gonna start recognizing what God is doing in you before you even have the chance to write it down. And here, here's all of these, what you're gonna find out is it's never, more, it's never wrong to go more, just like the one push-up. Maybe, maybe on your worst day, you're gonna write one sentence. But on your best day, you write three pages. Just like I can do one push-up every day, but those days I feel extra motivated, you know what, I may do 50. Because I fall back to my system. I don't rise to my goals. Make your habits so easy and so small that you could never fail. Another one maybe for you, instead of journaling, praying daily. Maybe for you, it's prayer. You say, man, I've tried prayer. Like I was waking up 30 minutes before my kids so that I could spend time in the word and all I did was find myself waking up when they woke up with coffee stains next to me, right? Like, I don't, I don't but like, again, it doesn't have to be big. Maybe for you, it's you get in your car and you're getting ready to go to work. Before you turn on your Bluetooth, before you plug in your car player, whatever you happen to have, or turn on the radio, your talk radio, before you do any of that, you just say a quick prayer. And in the beginning, you're just gonna say a quick prayer. But before you know it, you're three stoplights down and you're still praying. Before you know it, you're almost to work and you still haven't turned on the radio. You're still praying. It becomes a habit, a discipline. Maybe for you, it's attending worship. Maybe the habit for you this year is to be more consistent in your attending worship. Listen, you can decide is sleeping in and missing it gonna change your life more than being here and worshiping? I'm not trying to pressure you or guilt you, but you can decide that and you need to make a habit out of it and you say, well, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, and make a trigger out of it. Make a way to where every Saturday night, what you do is you go and you put your keys, like, like you, you, you print out a sign that says, go to church today, and you put your keys underneath that or your phone underneath it. And so when you wake up in the morning, you're like, where's my phone? Oh, there's a big sign that says, go to church today. And you put that out every Saturday night, and that's the system, that's the habit that you create that helps you get into that mindset of doing something repeatedly over time. Maybe for you, you need to attend a build class or a small group this year. 
And I just wanna take a moment and talk about these build classes. These are new and you heard us mention them just a second ago. Build classes are what we are, we are doing here at all of our Mount campuses, where we are slowly going to phase these in over the next 12 months or so, where we have identified four major areas that we feel like at all of our campuses, all of our people, when, when they are looking to join something that maybe you're not comfortable to say, I'm ready to kind of dive into someone's home and be in a small group. And so we have these build classes and these classes, one of them is gonna be building real faith, which is we're using the alpha material and calling it that. It's a place for you to come and safely ask questions about God and the relationship of following him. We're gonna build one. Uh, called Building Healthy Marriages, where it's about you. We realize in the communities that we are in that there are marriages struggling. Some of those are because uh, military and people never home all the time and just the the conflux of that. And we just wanna be able to step in and say, we wanna help you with that. Some of them are where we're doing one called Building Wise Parents because if you have a kid or if you've ever been a parent, you recognize that parenting is difficult and hard and we all could use some more wisdom in that. We're building one, we're calling one uh, Building Healthy Finances where all of us can, can go and we can learn about how to be better stewards of what God has given us and how to utilize the resources that he has for us. And all of these are gonna be a, kind of a neutral space where you can go and you can learn with the intent that as you go there, you launch into a small group out of this. Because here's what I know, ultimately we want every single person who attends the Mount to be in some form of small group. Why? Because you were never meant to do life alone. Like, let that sink in. You may, you may think you're doing life with other people, but there is something about joining a small group and locking arms with people and diving into scripture together and praying for each other that changes not just them, but it changes you. As you begin to pray for other people, strangers you have just met, and begin to build relationship with them, you begin to care for them differently. You begin to worry about them differently. You begin to offer advice to them because you then have to go and find your own advice in scripture. It changes who you are. And for some of you, maybe this year, the habit that you need to get into is being in biblical community through a class or a small group on a consistent basis with other believers. The last one, number eight, serving. Maybe for you, the discipline, the habit, spiritually you need to grow in this year is serving. And you say, yeah, but like, what's the big deal? It's just changing some diapers, right? No, no. It's you laying down your life for someone else. But I'm just holding the door open. No, no, no. You are laying down your life for someone else. You see, each and every one of us is gifted and called by God to make a difference in his kingdom. And serving, the thing that holds us back from making that difference is we're selfish. And serving is one of the easiest ways to beat the habit of selfishness. In fact, listen to Richard Foster who writes on spiritual disciplines. He says this, nothing disciplines the inornate desires of the flesh like service. The flesh whines against it. Maybe this year you would say, man, like the who I want to be, I wanna be someone who's less selfish. And I would say a behavior or a habit to get you there is to serve, serve the local church, be a part of what God is doing. And finally, giving faithfully. Maybe the habit for you this year is you need to give faithfully. You need to release control of what you have. You need to stop pretending that it's all yours and you're in control. And you need to trust God. And you need to get in the habit of weekly monthly 
giving to the kingdom of God so he can do what only he can do. Where do you want to be spiritually one year from now? What's the small, and when you plan this, like think one push-up, what's the small habit you need to implement? I'll just share with you guys personally for me, um, just kind of in a moment of transparency, the habit I'm working on this year. Um, so I, I was asking myself, like, Adam, who, spiritually, who do you want to be this year? And I think the statement that I've kind of thought through is, Adam, I want to be someone who surrenders, or someone who lives a life of surrender. And what I, what I found as I was thinking through that is what I found in my life is that um, surrender's really hard for me. And maybe that's not what you want to hear from your pastor. You're like, oh, great. He's, but like, it's just hard for me. Um, it, is, it is difficult for me to, to put down my wants and my desires. Like when I come home from work and my kids are like, hey, dad, let's go downstairs and play ping pong. I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to. No. When my wife, you know, the kids are in bed and we've finished all the dishes and the laundry that never ends. And she's like, hey, let, let's talk for a minute. No, I want to go to bed. It's late. I'm selfish. When I'm at Target and I see someone who, maybe a single mom who is having a hard time with her kid in the store and I could easily go over and help her and I feel the Lord prompting me to go do it. But no, I'm, I'm just trying to get in and out. I'm just trying to do my thing. I see that homeless person walking down the street and I know the Lord is telling me to stop and talk to them. No, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. It's interesting that I find myself really struggling to surrender my wants, my wishes, and my desires. But at the same time, I see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, when he says, Father, take this cup from me. Right? He says, Father, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. And I read that and I, and I tell myself, man, this year, like one year from now, if I could define what my life would look like spiritually, I would wanna be the type of person who's willing and able to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And, and so what I, what I began to do over the process of the last couple of weeks is to begin to, to find one small habit that is so easy that there's no way I could possibly ever fail it, to do it every single day that forces me to do a, a small, insignificant amount of surrender. Why? Because it's small and insignificant. But here's what I know. I don't know about you, but I have like this, this pretend circle around me that's my comfort zone. And when I'm in that comfort circle, life is great. But there are moments in life where God is, God is asking me to do something. And maybe it comes through me watching another sermon online where another pastor's like, hey, you need to do this. And I'm like, whoa, that is way outside of my comfort zone. And some of you got to that a minute ago when I said, you need to serve. And you're like, that's outside of my comfort zone. You need to give faithfully. That's outside of my comfort zone. And what we do is we see this, this is my circle. But the thing that God is asking me to do is way over here. And it's so far from where I'm comfortable that there's no possible way I could ever do that. I would never surrender that. Here's what I'm discovering. Daily, if I surrender one thing daily, I have to step out one step out of my comfort zone. And at the end of the day, I realize that wasn't that bad. And the zone grows. The next day, one more step. One more step. One more step. And who knows? Six months from now, one year from now, 
the thing that was so scary that God was asking me to do now feels so easy and so normal because my comfort zone is so big because I'm willing to do whatever God wants. Small habits matter. Who do you want to be spiritually one year from now? Let's pray. Father, we are thankful that you are a God who loves the small things. God, we're thankful for people like Daniel who, who display what it means to live a life of habitual obedience to you. This morning, as we continue praying across all of our campuses, maybe you're here and you're saying, man, Adam, that's me. If I was being honest, spiritually, one year from now, I would like to be different. I would like to be more consistent in this or more stable in that, or I just, I'm not happy where I am spiritually. I feel like I'm going through the motions and things are just happening and I want it to be more intentional. I want it to be by design and not default. If that's you, just kind of as a moment of corporate response, if that's you, just raise your hand and I wanna be able to pray with you and for you. God, spiritually, I wanna be a different person one year from now. I see your hands, I see your hands all over the room, hands up. God, I wanna be a different person one year from now. Father, I pray for every hand that is up that you would invade their hearts, that you would show them that they can stop trying to get close to you. And instead they can train the disciplines that lead to you, God. That one year from now, we would be different people, not because we tried hard, not because we, we got enough motivation or enough willpower, but because you showed us the power of small, consistent things. Jesus, we love you, and we want your will in our lives, not ours. Amen. We're going to continue worshiping now, and uh, I'm just going to ask as we worship, if you would like to pray with somebody, our, our prayer team will be up front here, and they would love to pray with you. Um, we're going to worship and sing a song. You can stay seated.